Hi everyone, welcome to the Perma Podcast. I'm James Prescott, your host. Really great to be back with you. I'm delighted to welcome back um, a good friend of mine, someone who's been on the show um, a while ago, um, longer than longer ago than I thought, actually. Um, um, he's a podcaster and a blogger, and does a lot of other things too. Um, Andy Moore, welcome back to the show. Thanks, James. Really great to be um, speaking to you again. Yeah, and it's longer than I thought it was. I think you were saying it's 2016 since we last spoke. Um, I, you know, yeah. I, when you told me that, I was like, really? It didn't seem like that, because I think we're on Twitter a lot, and we talk a lot on Twitter. Um, but I think so, and time just seems to fly by these days. But yeah, I was, I was working it out by, I remember where I was when we last spoke, and that was two houses ago, so <laughs> that was 2016. Yeah, wow, it's a long time ago, isn't it? I mean, wow, mm. yeah, so much has happened since then, and we're going to get onto that a bit later, but um, just tell us a bit about the work you're doing now, uh, and what you get up to. Sure, yeah, well, I'm, um, as you say, podcaster, um, I am a blogger, it's kind of, that's taken a bit of a backseat over the past um, year or so, mainly, mainly doing podcasting for the sake of, um, you know, because of time constraints and that sort of stuff, but uh, yeah, I run an online community for um, introverted and highly sensitive creative type people as well called The Haven, and um, part-time undertaker <laughs> as well, of all things, um, and musician and I'm just finishing off a qualification in, in personal performance coaching um, and small business coaching so plenty of stuff filling my time right now <laughs> yeah uh, part-time undertaker I had no idea um, that must be an interesting oh, yeah. job it's uh, it is interesting yeah yeah it's been been doing it for uh, what must be four five years now so yeah it's kind of really it's one of those jobs that I mean I got into because I'd seen I'd seen undertakers you know driving around in a hearse and thinking how on earth do you get into a job like that that's like how do you do like, who ends up doing a job like that um, and then I saw an advertise and I thought you know I could do something you know part time on the side just to sort of pay the bills and get me out of the house for a bit um, so I thought I'm, I'm going to find out how you how you end up in a job like that, and actually really kind of spotted into it very nicely. And it's kind of, I mean, it's varied. You, you're sort of out and about all the time, and it's just a real privilege to to kind of be in that space with people at that time that they really kind of need it, and and that sort of filled a a part of me that that kind of enjoys being with people at moments of need so yeah mm. it just ticks a lot of boxes yeah yeah it sounds like it's quite a an interesting interesting job um for lots of different reasons um and it's interesting because a lot of the other work you do is you, you've you know, you've created a community for highly sensitive introverts um and do a lot of work with that um and uh and that's a really great resource I, i'm 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 part of that as well. I'm involved with that community, and that's a really, really great community. I know that we need more of those kind of communities for for people like for, for people who are introverts, people who are highly sensitive, who need that safe space. Um, and what, what's that space called again? I always forget what it's called. I just go, my mind goes blank. The Haven. The Haven. That's right. 
Yeah. The haveco is, is where you can sort of find out more about that. And, and yeah, it's, I mean, I've been doing that since um, I set that up in the middle of 2014. Um, and it's, I mean, it's taken, it's gone through quite a few iterations and, and evolved in, in, in many ways. And, and this year is really the first time that I've found a kind of a rhythm with it that is like, yeah, we've, we've found a groove, finally. Uh, which is kind of frustrating that it's taken, what's that, taken five years to, to sort of get into that. But it's also something that I think is really important to come share with other people who feel like things are taking a long time. Um, because especially when in the world of like online business building and, um, you know, I know you talk about platform a lot as, as something that kind of is, is a big distraction for many people and, and when we get kind of carried away by the numbers and all of that sort of stuff as the priority, it can really take us away from deeper message. Um, and yeah, so I, I mean, just want to encourage people that if it does feel like things are taking a long time, then don't be discouraged because if stuff does take a while to find its natural groove and to, to take its the roots that it needs to take. Um, and I mean, I, I don't think by any means that we're kind of at, at the end point with it, but it's the most at peace that I've felt with with what's going on there um, that I've ever felt. So, yeah, hopefully that will <laughs> help one or two people listening. Yeah. Yeah, I'm um, sure it will. And um, of course, you got your Gentle Rebel podcast, and that's a name I love, by the way. Um, yeah, um, and that's really going strong. I think I've been a guest on there as well. That was really fantastic. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, you're doing some great stuff. And I was just we were was, when we were talking before about what we were going to talk about today. I think it was it's quite apt that. Um, yeah, that we're, we're thinking the last time we spoke was 2016 because um, a lot has happened in the world in that time. <laughs> um, it's only been like three, three or four years, and uh, and yet so much has happened in that time. You know, I'm I mean, pretty sure I've probably aged about 20 years in that time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Likewise, <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. So much has happened. I mean, I'm writing, literally writing a book right now about my life, um, and it starts. A memoir, uh, and it starts in 2016. <laughs> um, yeah, really. so, <laughs> so that's quite ironic as well. Um, it's going to be an epic. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. Um, yeah, but I mean, so much happened in that year. I mean, it was the year that we had all those celebrity deaths. It was like almost there was one every couple of weeks or something. Mm, um, at least, yeah. And yeah. it got so crazy. I mean, like the first week, David Bowie died. And then somebody else really big died straight after him, and I can't remember who that was. But and then yeah. and then Prince died not long not long after that, and that was one I didn't believe. I thought it was a joke because so many people had died already that year. Yeah. I thought somebody was making it up and and turned out to be true. Um, it was crazy that year for all of that, and that was and that was bad enough. And then we had a couple of other things happen which people might have heard of. Um, what was that? What I can't. Think no, yeah, I think it was, wasn't it? Um, there was a there was a referendum in the UK on leaving the European Union, um, Brexit. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. Um, 
where, what was it, 17 million out of 68 million people decided to decided they wanted to leave. Um, and, uh, and then a few months later, uh, Donald Trump was elected president of the United States. Um, so, you know, it was, it was just, uh, but these, these events, um, and we're not really going to talk about politics overtly, but it's, it's what these, these things symbolized really. I think that was the thing that happened. It was like, you know, these people who, these people who, um, were just flagrantly ignoring facts, were not acting with integrity, um, lying to people publicly, um, were getting elected, um, and, you know, and now, I mean, like, to be honest, we've only just recently had leaders in this country who are quite as bad as Donald Trump, um, but it was always going to head this way once that vote happened, and, um, it's like now we have just, and the thing that winds me up is when people just flagrantly dismiss facts, um, there's a TV show here in the UK called Question Time where we have politicians and public figures on and ask questions by the audience. And um, last last uh, last night there was some somebody in the audience actually said facts don't matter. Basically, it doesn't matter what facts are. Like, you know, um, and it was like, are you, are you saying that? And it's just, and that's a, that's a good thing, you know. Um, and I've just never seen in the UK, I think definitely, and in America, I think as well that. The country's so divided, and um, and these these things that happened Brexit and Donald Trump were just symptoms of that in a way, or maybe they were the cause of it. But it's gone; it's just got worse since then. And you see it; this is all kind of amplified on social media as well. You know, where, where you have um, just you can't say anything without getting completely hammered. Uh, you make a you make a political point; you'll have a whole load of people on both sides having a go at you. Um, it's like, you know, and you can't use facts because people will just throw things, silly arguments back at you, which they've, which when you read them, they're clearly heard from a politician um, because they're just repeating the scripts the politicians are saying all the time. And it's, it's very difficult when that happens, when all this happens to maintain hope. Um, I'm somebody who has always been quite hopeful and likes to see the best and likes to believe that, that ultimately the truth and goodness um, and light will ultimately bear out and, you know, history shows us that that does happen. Um, but when you're right in the midst of it, it's it's a very difficult place to be. Um, you know, and... Uh, and, yeah, and... Yeah, so it's difficult. It's difficult to find hope, but we need to. I think what we're going to talk about today is looking for hope in those in these times. Um, I mean, what was your kind of route into this conflict? I mean, we had a chat about this before, um, and you, I think you've mentioned to me that one of the things you're struggling with is hope. I mean, like, just unpack that for us a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we when we were kind of discussing uh, the the which started, I think, in the beginning of September or end of August. Um, and uh, you kind of asked me, like, any topics that you, you kind of want to explore um, in, our, in our chat? And I was like, be open, you know, right now I'm feeling the need for, for hope, love and positivity because they're not what I'm feeling. I need a challenge. So it was, um, which is kind of how I, how I like to approach things, you know, that where's that thing that's missing that's kind of looked that direct in the face? 
Um, and yeah, totally. That I think looking at you know those events of 2016 and feeling hmm. almost grief at what I think it was. I my my overwhelming feeling was was grief at some as a, a thing that I thought was real that then felt lost. And so it took a lot of time to kind of work all that through and like how could what we thought was true not be true and all of that sort of stuff. And then the, the overriding thing is how we respond to both the situation as it keeps unfolding and keeps getting more absurd every day, but I think even more... Um, Pressingly, those conversations, those interactions we have with one another, when it does feel like we're kind of we're communicating on completely different um, different levels. I remember reading something. Uh, who was it? Uh, someone has written about um, when Trump and, and Hillary Clinton were kind of in in the early stages of their um, election campaign. And they'd, someone had picked up on the point that um, Hillary Clinton was was battling as if she was in a boxing match, and Trump was battling as if he's in a, a pro-wrestling match. And so there's kind of, in boxing, there are, there are rules to adhere to, and there are, you know, strict guidelines as to what you can do and what you can't do and she's fighting on on these lines and then trump's there like in chairs around uh, it's a big display of it's a big performance the more yeah. extreme the better and and that's the background that he's coming from and coming from a place outside of politics it's a you know a fight that is being fought on two completely different planes. And I think in a lot of our conversations that, that are going on now, this is still happening. And it's like it's like that, that thing of like you could never have a conversation with a lion because you'd be talking completely different even if the lion could speak English, you'd be talking with completely different frames of reference and different like ways of looking at the world and, and that's how it feels a little bit. But We've got people shouting and shouting and shouting from one position as if the people in the other position should care about the things that they care about and then likewise vice versa. Um, and it just feels like this kind of hopeless cycle in that sense of just people shouting and shouting and shouting and nobody getting anywhere. Like there's, there's no benefit to the shouting. So, And that just almost like exacerbates this sense of anger because people aren't reacting in the way that they're supposed to react um, because no one's actually I don't know, no one's listening to anything other than themselves in some way um, which, yeah, is a something that's really just taking up a lot of my thinking space in terms of like, okay, well what what is the right way to to go forward with this? Because we need a completely radical 
way of approaching everything if it's going to if we're going to find a, a, a way forward that doesn't just descend even further into this division and this kind of fragmentation of, of reality. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. It's, it's become very, very dualistic, um, binary, you know, in, out, right, wrong, um, I'm right, you're wrong, um, you know, I'm not going to listen to you, like you were saying, not listening. You know, I have my opinion, I've, I've decided what that is, and you're not going to influence it, and I'm not going to listen to you, um, and I'm, I'm not even going to respect your opinion, I'm going to try and attack it. Um, you know, and I see, that, I see this on social media all the time, and it's and it's not limited to one, one tribe, one group, if you like. It's you know, it, it comes from it comes from the left, it comes from the right, it comes from, you know, um, and it's not even just in politics. It's you know, on, in terms of faith, you know, you have conservatives and and progressives, you know, who are acting in kind of dualistic kind of ways, um, and it's all so divided. And it's like one side wants to win, and one side, one, both sides want to win. You know, both sides want to be like the, to be <laughs> to be on top, and then subdue the other side. Um, yeah, you know, and it's, and it's, the, it's that whole. It's the fact that everything has sides. We've like created. We, we're creating this world where reason, everything needs a side. <laughs> that that kind of the, the binary um, organization of things, so that you're either fully in or you're fully out. Hmm. And that's the only choice that you have. No, and and certainly, if you're going to move forward in any mature way, in any kind of constructive way, then we need to, you know, saying for a little while, like actually, we're living in a time where like pragmatism is this kind of ideal that we need to almost recalibrate ourselves towards. Where yeah, you know the whole thing of democracy itself, you know, democracy is a word that is to, as a, as a weapon by all sides, like, this is not democratic. If you think this is going, and, and actually the whole point of democracy is pragmatic sense that we're holding all of these views in a way that means, <laughs> I suppose nobody's happy, um, but nobody nobody truly loses and nobody truly wins and that's that's kind of the whole point and that's where politics is at its kind of finest in some ways um when it just holds all these things in tension and in balance that's right we've, we've, we've lost that we've come to this binary thing of like we won that we won that vote therefore <laughs> like what we say goes, and even though that doesn't, there was no, you know, tangible thing of what that meant in the first place, like, um, yeah, and so the whole thing then just becomes even more um, entrenched, and you've got sides, like, digging these trenches on these sides of a debate that doesn't even have any real, tangible kind of points, <laughs> so it, it, there's nothing that you can really grab hold of. So it's, yeah, 
other than people wanting to be to be right and to be on the winning side. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's sad, um, and it makes me look back. I mean, I look back now at when Barack Obama was elected president and all the hope that everyone felt. Um, it's almost the complete antithesis, the complete opposite of how we feel now, and. But what I'm now looking back at is is that oh yes, this was this was this was the left kind of political left doing this thing of we won. So if you disagree with us, you don't get to you don't get to argue anymore. We're gonna do what we wanna do, we're gonna do what we think's right, we're gonna make these changes and if you don't like it or if they affect you badly, tough, you know. Just we just get on with it. And this what and this is what and this is yeah. and and these and there are a lot of people who in America who felt like they weren't being listened to, they weren't being respected, they weren't being that their needs weren't being met, um, and it made them vulnerable to somebody who was going to speak to those needs and to 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 give the impression they were listening, and that's what happened. Um, mm. So yeah, and you used the word the word symptom earlier as a. You know, are these things a symptom of something? And I think, for sure, you know, they're they're a symptom that have been exploited or or manufactured from a, a real wound that people are experiencing. And it's, it, it, you know, it would be wrong of us or naive of us to to ignore the wounds and to yeah. to pretend like there isn't a context to all of this because you end up just creating even even deeper divisions. So it's it's like with with um, kind of the Brexit vote, you know, what what feels quite evident in some ways is the exploitation of, of real real hardship and real pain that people are experiencing and the use of um, uh, of a scapegoat in the in the form of the EU um, as a a thing that is exploited by those who, who want to, you know, leave the EU, to put that as the scapegoat for people's people's pain, people's wounds. Yes. Um, and to say, right, this is, if we get out of this, then it's that, you know, that, that kind of great holy grail that you will reach and everything will be okay and you'll be made whole again and all, all the all yeah. dreams will come true and all of this, which is a very natural thing that we that we have, you know, I've been exploring, reading a lot of, like, um, Pete Rollins' stuff again lately. Mm. Really, um, in terms of that, that lack that we feel inside us, that, that thing that we're trying to get back to, to make us whole again. Yeah. Um, and you see this within this context where it's been exploited to say, Okay, this is the scapegoat. This is the this is the reason you're feeling dissatisfied. This is the reason that you're not feeling happy, or you're not feeling that thing that you should be feeling. Um, and so, if only we if we get rid of that, then everything will be great. Yeah. Um, and obviously, <laughs> at another level, we know we know people know that's not true. But when you look at it within the context of you know, say the last ten years and and the austerity thing, the um, the program that is undergone here in the UK where a lot of public services have been cut. There's been a big kind of stress on various parts of 
um, of, of public um, society. And, and people have been suffering, you know, you just look at the, the number of food banks and, and all of those things. And if people can, are encouraged to connect dots between that pain that they're going through, that suffering that they're experiencing, and this, this great big other, this EU or whatever it is, you know, it could exchange the EU for anything. But in this in this example, if the EU used the this is the reason that you're experiencing this, and if we get rid of that, then you'll be okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So. I mean, I yeah. I mean, I I I, I studied politics um, uh, university, and one of the things that I one of the things, and I studied history as well. Um, and like one of the things that I always noticed is when we have times of economic trouble when things get really bad economically, there tends to be a massive movement or shift politically to anyone who will provide hope or the answer or, you know, those kind of things. Um, and if you look, I mean, like, we had the Great Depression in the, in 1929, early 30s, and that gave rise to the far right in Germany and uh, and in Italy and you know other parts of the world, and which, well, which kind of resulted in the Second World War, um, because I mean, like it's an extreme example, but Hitler basically just made the scapegoat the Jews. Like he was like the Jews are to blame for all your problems. This is why there's not enough food. This is why there's not enough money. This is why your lives are rubbish. Um, and elect me, and I will. I will get rid of them and I will solve your problems. You know, and it's it's really easy for extremists to rise up at time of economic difficulty. I mean, that's you've also had the rise of like people like uh, Bernie Sanders and and obviously the the far left in the in the UK as well, um, Jeremy Corbyn and whatever. Because and it's because when things are difficult, people are more likely to go to extremes. Um, they're they're more desperate. They're, they're, they will they were more more likely to give their support to somebody who is a bit more extreme um, mm. because they're that desperate that they're looking for any way out um, and it's happened all the way through history yeah yeah totally it's, um, watching um, there's a program on BBC at the moment on, on iPlayer um, called the rise of the Nazis yeah I've been watching that yeah have you watched it it's absolutely fantastic because it's that it's that period of the, when is it, 1930, 1931, where things are kind of manoeuvring, where Hitler's kind of getting, manoeuvring into power and, and yeah. all of that, all that stuff. But in terms of when we're talking about hope, what I really took from that program was those figures in there that, that carried on fighting the good fight, even though... They were they were fighting for you know the legal system and for uh, justice and like for the for the stuff that really matters um, and it one of the one of the things we're exploring at the moment in the haven is is this is the idea of belonging and hmm. um, and it really struck me that as this and I've written about it before but. It's kind of a stark example of this difference between belonging and fitting in. Um, and in a society that, where things are getting extreme and the pressures to 
conform to ways of acting, behaving, thinking of other people, thinking of groups, scapegoating, all that sort of stuff. The pressure to conform to that and to fit into that is is great. And actually, true belonging happens when you have those figures who transcend those um, those those pressures, those small identities, those tribal things, and take the more universal perspective of humanity and put compassion and the people first. Mm. Um, and so in that program, there's, I can't remember the names of them, like, um, you know, really important figures of history. Um, there's, the, there's the guy, he's like a, a coroner, kind of medical, medical examiner, who goes to uh, Dachau, which is the first, uh, pretty much the first concentration camp. Um, and he went and investigated the, the first deaths there. Um, and this soon discovered, you know, the, the, it says the first thing that he... The first thing he noticed was was what was missing when he drove through the gates of, of Dachau, and it was there were no um, Bavarian soldiers there who were supposed to be kind of overseeing um, the camp, and it was all just SS and the stormtroopers. And um, and then when he examined these, these four um, these four bodies that was why these four deaths that had been reported, um, he soon realised that they all had gunshot wounds in the back of their heads and they were all Jewish. Um, and so he was, he was like, the, the official story had been that they were uh, they were prisoners that were running away so they'd, they'd had to shoot them. And so he was like, well, you're not going to shoot prisoners who were running away with a pistol that accurately. And so he kind of put together that this is like an execution kind of deal and why they all... Um, why they were Jewish as well, and so he then his whole um, mission became to to for one of justice, even though it put him at great risk, and it put his uh, the guy who was working with the other medical examiner. I think he was he, he didn't last very long, um, but their yeah, just their their entire mission became right we need to we need to do the right thing rather than the easy thing um even though that puts us basically at death's door um potentially and and there's, a, there's another guy i think that i think he he lived till he was in his 90s i think or his 80s um and there was another guy who was a lawyer who mm. mission or, his, his kind of to link uh, um, the stormtroopers to Adolf Hitler and to this was before he was in power so to link um, kind of ordered that it could be traced back to having come from Hitler um, which yeah. he did after a lot of a lot of hard work um, and again it was just this this thing of like I need to like the the power of the legal system within this democracy is much more important than than my own you know well-being to some degree and it's just really really powerful when you when you look to figures like that and you think actually we can make a difference yes and we can have this sense of true belonging as human beings 
Um, mm. There is hope there. If yes. we can spark in enough people, if we can be those people, um, and I, I mean, that's, to me, gentle rebellion in a nutshell is that, that sense of, you know, it's not going out and, you know, riding the proverbial horse into the town and getting into fights and stuff as the traditional yeah. the rebel might be in your head. It's that sense of, like, doing what is right, even though it's hard. It's not the easy thing, and it might get you uh, into all sorts of mess, but it's that little voice inside you that's like, no, that is the thing you need to do. That is the, you know, that is the person that you need to care for. That is yeah. the thing you need to look for and, and all of that. And it's just following that voice into into whatever mm. place it's going to take you. Yeah, I've seen this video of this guy who was... Um, I don't know what his job was, but he was... Um, he was German, and uh, and I think he was a lawyer, actually. And um, he used to... I think he found a way of getting children out of concentration camps and mm. putting them with families. I think children whose parents had been killed right. um, in the Holocaust. And he found a way to get them to families where they would be safe and where they could be brought up and um and what how, and there was a list of them and there was a list of them that he kept and they got him in a room um and he thought it was like this tv show and there was this audience and it turned out that all the audience was made up of all of those children wow. uh, and their and their children and um and I think neither of I think neither of them knew the other was was there. And then there's this moment when they find out, and it's just this really powerful moment. And it's it's like this man is responsible for these. I don't know how many it was. It was at least a hundred, um, like a hundred people surviving, um, saving all these lives. And he got emotional. I think they all got emotional too. It's like you know, it's like, and that happened in the midst of the Holocaust in the midst of Nazi Germany, the Second World War, you know, when everything looked black, this guy was just doing a, doing a, a small thing which changed which changed lives, which saved lives, you know. And, and it's like you say, there's always ways to... like the, the term gentle rebel is actually a really good, like you say, a really good description of just doing what's right and just continuing to do what's right and doing what you can. And mm. don't uh, gi don't give don't let the whole don't let the darkness overwhelm you. Don't give in to the easy route, like mm. you say. Um, and I mean, the thing that gives me hope on top of that is when I just look at history. Um, these periods have happened in history at different points, where things have got divided and dark, and obviously the context was slightly different. You know, the culture was different at different times. It's the same thing has happened, and every time, without fail, um, these things end. You know, these these periods mm. do end. These people do get out of power, and they do come to justice, and things do get resolved, and things do get better. Um, sometimes it takes takes time. It takes sometimes it takes years, but 
it does happen in the end, and if not, like our job is just to keep doing the right thing, um, staying true to our values, and being people of compassion, and being people of inclusion, and and sticking to our principles. Um, and also, I think right now what we need is people to be better listeners. Yeah. And say, okay, I disagree with you, but I'm willing to hear your story. I'm willing to. Like, I remember when Donald Trump was elected, I deliberately spoke to a friend of mine, who I knew had voted for him, and I literally didn't know. There was no judgment. I just, I just wanted to know, like, what what was it about him that attracted you to vote for him? Why did you vote for him? I genuinely want to know. And then we had a really good conversation about it. And you know, it was it was like, yeah, we know he's a bad person and and everything, but but he was, but I had really. Bad. I had my my medical bills were spiraling out of control. Like I didn't have a job. You know, um, I was worried about my family. You know, um, like normal human reasons. Um, mm. And you can not agree with what they did, what they did, <laughs> but you can understand their story. And I think when you understand people's stories, then even if you disagree with them, you can at least appreciate where they're coming from and and not make these kind of rash judgments about people who disagree with you and be divisive. And you can still hold those disagreements in tension and love your enemy in a sense, love your neighbor. Um, kind of going back to Jesus, you know, like um, that's what loving your neighbor, like your, your enemies is all about, you know, and actually there was really, there's a, there's a great example of this with um, Ellen um, Ellen DeGeneres, he's like, you know, everyone knows who she is, I think. Um, very kind of a very liberal, progressive, you know, that. Um, and she was at a baseball game with George W. Bush, who is far right, who started the Iraq War, <laughs> um, you know, didn't what didn't did a lot of bad things as president, but she's sitting with him and talking to him and she doesn't agree with what what he did or what he believes at all and she i think she did a little comment on this on facebook it went on twitter it went viral um she doesn't agree with any anything he's done or his politics but they can still have a conversation like human beings um and it's not to condone what he did in any way um it's just that you know he's another human being and we need to listen to each other and actually be civil with each other and respectful towards each other um and not just create more division um and it was a great example you know and i know a lot of people came out and kind of criticized her for it um stating what george bush had done and all his all his um kind of crimes <laughs> as president um which are quite bad you know but She's not about Ellen was not condoning those things. I think people who did that missed the point. She was not condoning those things at all, but she was just mm. saying, you know, let's just like let's kind of basically saying love our enemies. <laughs> you know, let's have proper conversations and and kind of have dialogue instead of just bitching and arguing with each other. Yeah, and it comes back down round to what, what we were talking about earlier with that the binary things of. Uh, if we live in a world where you, you cannot spend time somebody holds different views to you, yeah, we won't be able to spend time with anybody. <laughs> and uh, it's almost that you know you, you're you're seeing the importance of, of 
actual people being in physical community there as well, where it's a lot easier to have that sense of kind of belonging with another person who you might disagree with almost everything that they've ever done, but you can still see them as a human being. You can still you can have that compassionate connection with them in a sense that you can look them in the eye and you can see something deeper than the labels that we put on people, which is not really all that possible if if all our interactions are done online. Because you just you can't you can't have that quite the same especially with with people who you disagree with. Um it, it just cannot happen in the same sort of way. Um, everything becomes kind of shrouded in, in words and in labels and in boxing people in and in saying, you know, well, I think everything just get, gets labelled. Like, you know, oh, they're, they're a something. Or you can't speak to them. They believe yeah. in this. Yeah. 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 Uh, actually spending time with people and I mean that's one of the I think the although like I've drifted far from it but like one of the amazing things about like a, a church community or a some kind of organisational community like that when you're kind of hanging out with people from all different backgrounds which isn't natural in many contexts um, where you're kind of almost forced into a not forced into a situation but like there are, there are old people there are young people there are you know people from all sorts of backgrounds and demographics and all that sort of stuff which doesn't happen in, in many contexts and you kind of need to sort of work out okay well how do I relate to this person how you know and and it's going to a a place that's deeper than just a surface level you've got this in common or whatever yeah um yeah i don't know <laughs> and i yeah it is and i i, I find this interesting like that you mentioned church because i the conservative church is the one that gets hammered a lot and with good reason <laughs> A lot, yeah. There's a lot wrong uh, with conservative theology um, and the kind of evangelical church, what people call. Um, mm. You know, that's caused a lot of damage to a lot of people, and the theology is toxic. Um, but I guess one of my and this is kind of fits with kind of this divisive culture that we have. That one of my fears with that is that there's there's kind of this liberal progressive kind of empire rising up in its place with its leaders and like the same kind of dualistic way of believing but expressed in a much more kind of passive aggressive kind of way much more subtle um and i don't think anyone i don't think there's people i don't think everyone intends for that to happen at all um but it can happen and there's a danger of that and then we need to kind of i think if we're moving away from something we need to be careful we don't just start another kind of dualistic in-out kind of community or group or whatever that 
Oh, that we actually yeah. genuinely shift out of that kind of dualistic way of believing. I don't mean you can't have a system of belief or, or anything like that. It just means that instead of saying we're right, you're wrong, you have to believe this to belong. If you don't, then you know whatever. I'm not going to listen to you. And being at enmity with each other, actually listening to each other and saying like, okay, I can take bits of that. I can take bits of that. I can, I can have that. You know, I can I can have a spiritual life in a sense. Um. Which which can take the good out of every part of what I've come from, and make it make it something that's my own in a sense. Um, that's not, mm-hmm. um, and and yeah, and that that kind of again that listening to other people's stories, listening to other people's perspectives. You know, why do they believe what they believe? Where do they come from? Where does that come from? Um, and just engaging with that i've i've got friends who are conser- who are evangelicals conservative evangelicals and they are good compassionate kind people <laughs> i just don't agree with them theologically you know I, and, and that's fine we still get on um it's and that's that's how it should be i think you know we and this applies to politics it applies to you know belief kind of any kind of belief way of be- things that we believe or or morality or values um is that we need to kind of get away from kind of really binary dualistic ways of believing as a culture and move mm. to a kind of more dual a more non-dual kind of way of being where we are listening to each other and having healthy disagreement um and saying okay we can we can disagree but we can still respect each other we can still treat each other well we can still be compassionate towards each other um you know and we are capable of that um and we just need to need to learn again learn like learn again as a culture how to do that um you know and i'm yeah so i mean all i can all we can do i mean is kind of be examples of that and try to demonstrate that in how we are in our relationships with people mm. um you know and i believe that with the, again i mean there, there are lots of reasons for hope you know but it's it's just kind of being fully present in what we what's happening right now but also saying this this won't be the end like i remember rob bell the the, the podcast he released just after trump was elected saying you know what yeah it sucks but he could be he'll be gone the maximum he'll be president is eight years after that'll be somebody else you know and you know and that that's that was a that's a that was a good perspective um um but it, i mean i always sort of said that brexit is different because brexit can go brexit is permanent but i don't even necessarily think brexit is permanent you know and we kind of we joined the, to join the eu in the 70s we left now we can join again you know, um, especially when people might, might see the consequences of what happens when we leave, there might be a, a mass uprising to get us get us back in. You know, I mean, I think it's um, and whatever happens, we'll survive, and we just keep going. I think yeah. that's the only thing we can do. If that makes sense, um, and not yeah, and not give in to despair. Because if we give in to despair, then things will get will get worse. Yeah. Yeah, it's all, and it's where we want to choose to put our energy as well. In terms of, you know, we can choose to just sit, can be, kind of just 
and I do this, there's days where I do this and I get sucked into seeing, you know, that the kind of almost morbid fascination with debate that are completely fruitless, but I kind of, you know, the, that sort of, I'm going to sit back and just be entertained by this kind of hostile conversation that's going to provide no fruit whatsoever, but it's going to be quite fun to just sit and watch. Mm. Um, and it's draining. And I've ended a day like that completely to the value. Um, that's a choice, though, to put my energy into that. Or I can choose to put my energy into stuff that actually, you know, like we were saying earlier, is true to my values. It's true to that sense of, like, you know, I want to be on the kind of right side of history, so to speak. I want to do what I am able to do in order to be compassionate, be, you know, someone who puts something good into the world rather than just someone who consumes this kind of, I don't know, this through this morbid fascination with, with the kind of train wreck as, as we're seeing it unfold. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's easy to, to lose hope if we're not doing anything kind of of any value so to speak like i think it's easier to have hope if we're involved in putting love into the world basically. yeah i absolutely agree and yeah if we're putting yeah if we're doing if we're putting a bit of love and a bit of joy and a bit of goodness into the world if we're staying true to our values if we're trying to keep doing the right thing every little right thing um, and we're trying to grow and we're trying to be examples of the people of of what we believe is, is the best way to be um, and make sure that we're filled up with our, I think loving ourselves as well and filling up our banks of self love and knowing that, our, that we're valuable can be helpful too because that can pour out into other people mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, you know, I think one of the things, you know, I mean, one example of where I kind of often go to where I want to be reminded of the best of myself is when I see my niece and my nephew and I think of, like, the example I want to set for them and the kind of world I want to create for them. Um, that often keeps me going because, I, you know, I mean, it's not that I'm putting my hope in them at all, but... But I want to make sure that the world they grow up in is, and the world that they end up creating is better than the one that we're living in right now. And um, yeah. and that's kind of that that's that's a that's a good spur, I think. Um, if you yeah, can find yeah. something which will just kind of keep motivating you to be that hopeful person, to do what you can do, to stay to your values, to keep growing, to be an example. To do what you can do. You don't, you know, we, don't, we don't have to, we can't all kind of do great things which everyone's going to know about, but we can all do little things which can make a little difference. You know, like serving at your local food bank or something like that. You know, um, we can all do little things which make a difference. Um, and just. Yeah, and it, 
those interactions that go on within that as well that really do make a difference. But the example, as you say, that you're setting, like for your niece and your nephew, it's realising that actually things are contagious. So how you are is going to be you're a role model to those people, yeah, and you're a role model to everybody that you um, that you meet in life as well. Like, however, you know, we've probably all had experiences with people where someone's in a bad mood and they take it out on you. That can set you on that traje- trajectory yourself mm. through the day. Like, somebody's like been rude to you in a just like in a fleeting moment, like in the shop or something like that, and then. You know, two hours later, you're in a bad mood, and you, you think, "Why am I in such a bad mood?" If you sort of face it back, it comes back to that interaction that you had earlier. And on the flip side of that, I was running a couple of week weekends ago, and I thought to myself, "Well, I'm going to say hello to everyone that I run past, even though you know it's, I'm kind of knackered doing that." The people who looked genuinely surprised, like that had these smiles that just beamed across faces when I said good morning to them and, and like hi, how you doing? And it just made me think like it's that easy to potentially mm. change <laughs> and I don't wanna sort of make it sound really grandiose, but like literally change the world. Yeah. In little tiny ways. Because that could really have been exactly what that person needed and go and yeah. that's going to become contagious to somebody else. And that, that's right. If we're, if we're aware of the role that, that we play in a, you know, ecosystem and culture and the energy that we put out into the world can just spread and we extract all we can give and you know extracting sort of putting the negativity out is the it's almost the default it's the easy thing um but we'll just get back more and more of that the more that we do it and and vice versa so yeah little things like that yeah that's it i love that that's a great metaphor um like just saying hi to people on a when you're running that's such a small thing but it makes such a big difference you know it could be that yeah i mean it doesn't cost anything for us to to do those kind of things it doesn't i mean and you can you can encourage somebody in social media if you're on social media and you see someone's down or send a message to somebody if they're having a bad day or you know just little things um just little things is thinking what makes the difference to me? Like what what means the world to me if somebody takes the time or puts the energy into doing it? Like Yeah. You know, that person who's got their head down and they're walking straight past me, lifts their head up, looks me in the eye and smiles. For me personally, that makes them that is a I find that really special. It's really Yeah, it absolutely. Really lift me. And it's those tiny things like and just starting with that question of like, well what what would I what would make a big difference to me and then just go and do that for somebody else and then who knows where that can um that can sort of yeah kind of snowball towards yeah that's right 
Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. I think that's a really good way to end. Um, mm. Because I feel, <laughs> I feel a lot. I feel much more hopeful now. Um, <laughs> I think that's. I think it was great. Our conversation kind of took that natural tilt towards hope. I think you know we've got all these examples of ways we can bring a bit of hope and light into the world, and how we can be gentle rebels in a way. You know, like um, by just doing what we can do, the little things. Um, and not giving in to despair and darkness, you know, but kind of staying true to who we are and our values and and doing the little things which bring a bit of light and hope. And, yeah, that is it's really great, you know, because there there is hope. Um, you know, um, things will get better. We just have to keep doing what we can do to bring a bit of light into the world and standing up for what we believe in and what's right. Um, and things will change, um, you know. And That's finding, yeah. yeah, it is, and and also finding joy in the midst of it as well. Um, I went to this great talk by Rob Bell on joy, and he was like, you know, ultimately we're all going to die. You know, <laughs> bad things are going to happen, but but lower the bar for joy and look for joy wherever you can find it. Like any little thing you can find which brings you joy, celebrate it. Um, and that's a way of bringing light and hope into the world as well and um, discovering joy and looking for joy wherever you can find it and um, so all of those things I think can give us reason to hope and be be kind of agents of hope beacons of hope if you like um, in the world and and things will eventually change So, um, thanks for coming on the show again. Um, yeah, it's been great. It's been great having you on. Um, we'll definitely have to have you back sooner this time, I think. Um, then <laughs> I think so, yeah. Uh, we're not going to wait three yeah, years yeah. or four years till Hopefully, you come on yeah. next time. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we'll yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I hope this. I hope if you're listening, this has given you a bit of reason to hope as well, and um, leaves you with a bit of hope. Um, so, um, take care, everyone. Um, stay hopeful, and we'll talk soon. <laughs>